Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittiman This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives I'm dropping a solo episode on you today Because there's something I want to talk about That I know affects a lot of people And this is basically Um a step two, not step two, but kind of like a, let's see here, basically a follow-up to the last episode we had with uh, Dr. Monica Verduzco Gutierrez, which was widely, uh, well-received widely for her expertise in that episode and really doing a great job of explaining when to come back to running from COVID, explaining COVID, explaining long COVID, and just all the ins and outs of this as COVID, uh, in part because of how the strains have changed, also with just how we're dealing with COVID in terms of the vaccines and and our understanding of the virus. Um, It certainly is maybe less lethal than it was when it was first introduced uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, With that said, it's just different. So we can't assume or just walk around as if COVID's not a part of our lives. It absolutely is. Also, just because it's less lethal than it was in the beginning doesn't mean it's not serious. Uh, so it's, I think that episode was great in terms of understanding exactly how we have to approach COVID, especially in the first seven days, to make sure that we can be as healthy as we can be after those first seven days. And that was a big thing. I know for a lot of people, it was very important to hear. And for me, if you listen to the episode, you know I just got over COVID. So I was coming at it from a point of uh, personal understanding in terms of dealing with my symptoms and going from there. Uh, With that said, I want to do a follow-up to that because for a lot of people um, who are going through this, and there's, as she mentioned, the stats are overwhelming in terms of how many people have, have, have had COVID and are, you probably know people in your own life right now who are uh, either just getting getting out of it or uh, just got um, just test, just tested positive or who may test positive in the coming days and weeks. So I tested positive on, uh, right after I came home from Disney and Universal. Uh, that was at this point about two and a half weeks ago. Uh, and you know the first first week or so, I definitely had some some pretty nasty head cold symptoms, some chest tightness for sure, but mostly it was a he- nasty, nasty head cold with like a, a mucusy thing going on um, in the back of my throat, which was really, really annoying and certainly led to some of the breathing issues as well as just people who've had post-nasal drip understand that. So I was definitely medicating. I was taking Flonase. I was taking um, Mucinex and I was taking some Advil as well for some of the throat soreness and just helped with some of the headaches and things like that. So uh, what I want to talk about today is my experience with that, but also generally speaking, what happens when we encounter a, uh, a block in our training of inactivity or injury that sets us back and makes us reevaluate some of our race goals that are coming up. Okay, to put this in perspective, when I went to Disney and Universal, it was a trip for the kids. I have two kids, they're seven and 10. They wanted to experience the magic. We were all for it. I had no expectations that I was going to run on this trip. Okay, I knew that we were going to be getting to the, the parks before rope drop, where we were staying at the parks, which means we're getting there before eight o'clock in the morning. We were staying up way later than normal with the kids to try to experience the pools and just the, the, a magical week, right? We saved up for years to go on this trip. We wanted to make the most of the trip. My running was not part of the plan. I was 
one, it was hundred percent my choice. This was not forced upon me. It was just what needed to be done on that trip. And I was all about it. So I had no expectations that I'd run on the, on vacation and I didn't now come back. I get COVID. So I didn't run that week either. So all of a sudden I went 16 days without running in a row. And then when I was coming back from COVID or at the tail end of COVID, I was coming back in a very easy, leisurely way, right? So the first first uh, day of exercise was like a 30-minute walk run. The next day was really, really, you know, recovery pace, easy miles. I walked the inclines on that run, uh, and I basically proceeded that way for that week. So all of a sudden, it was like a zero from a weekly, weekly miles total, then another zero, and then a 20. So I all of a sudden I run 20 miles in three weeks. And it's not like I'm out here crushing it this week. I'm probably going to hit 40 miles, but I'm not doing any speed work. I'm still recovering from my lung perspective. And I just, I want to be patient. I don't want to rush anything because if I can avoid it, I don't want to get long COVID or long COVID type symptoms. So this week is not going to be like full, a full, you know, robust training week either. Certainly the mileage will be there, which will be nice, but it's not going to be quite the same. So all of a sudden we're talking about, for all intents and purposes, three and a half weeks of way, way lower mileage. Now, the reason I bring that up is because I was planning on running a marathon on October 23rd. Yeah, October 23rd. So that was the plan. And it still could happen. But after what's going on for the last, again, three and a half weeks or so, uh, is looking less and less likely. And so many of you have dealt with something similar, maybe not for COVID reasons, but for injury-related reasons, right? All of a sudden, your back or your ankle or your IT band or name a running injury, we've all been there, impacts your training, not to the point where it's devastating, right? We're not saying, hey, I can't run for, th- you know, three months because of surgery, right? That just clears the deck. There, there are no more choices after that. There's no more decisions that need to be made. You recover, you come back, you do the PT, and then you start figuring things out. I'm talking about the breaks, the, again, the two, the three, maybe the four week break um, that was not done on purpose, but kind of implants itself in your running schedule. And you get to the point where like, well, how does this going to affect my next season, right? So for me, and you maybe have experienced this as well, I'm looking at it like, all right, October 23rd, all right? Well, today is August 4th. So what we're really talking about here is 10, 11 weeks of, tr- of buildup for the marathon, okay? Not ideal for most people, that's for sure, especially not for someone who's now coming off of a depressed training period and someone who, like me, isn't an experienced marathon, okay? I did run a marathon last year, but it, just like this one would be, it was kind of an expedited timeline because why? I was hurt in August. I sprained my ankle. I was out for a month and I ran CIM. So I had September, October, November, which was great. But again, it was a uh, it was a quicker buildup, especially because I was coming from a point of a lot of time off in the previous spring. So this is a little different. I had a really good year of training, but then you get this little issue. And then all of a sudden you get to the point of like, all right, what, how do I make this choice? Right? So this is the hardest part is saying, all right, I know that I have a condensed period of time. I have 10 or 11 weeks to train. What do I want? Right? So in this case, if I decide to do the the marathon, I'm not going to be setting the world on fire with my time. 
right? It's going to probably be more of a running the marathon to experience the day, running for, you know, to, to complete the race and run it all the way through and, and get that, that fun race day experience, the vibes that we all missed and craved during the two years of COVID lockdown where there just not, weren't that many races. And we all just kind of wanted that feeling, whether we got a PR or we finished dead last, we missed that race day feeling. So that would certainly be a positive thing. It's a local race. It's, it's down here in Narragansett, Rhode Island, close to my house. So I don't have to worry about flying out. And there's no ancillary expenses, which would also potentially make the, make the decision, you know, a little bit easier, right? If you're like, hey, Matt, do you want to fly to Arizona to run this race that you're probably not going to be completely prepared for? I'd be like, nah, I'm good. But the fact that the starting line is 30 minutes from my house, it does make it a little bit different. Um, so that the idea is, all right, what, what do you want out of race day, right? There's going to be some races where people are because of how their training cycle worked that they're going to be thinking, hey, I'm coming here to, to PR. I'm going here to BQ. Or I think that, you know, I've reached a whole new level of training and I want to have a race that reflects what I've been able to put together for training over the past couple months or years. And those are some really exciting races, right? They get so anxious, so excited to really, really go after a certain race day experience. And those are the ones that if you're chasing that kind of experience, I think when you get these these bumps in the road, it's definitely worth postponing the race. Because if you're going to go into race day holding tight that feeling of like, I deserve a PR or I deserve a certain time because of your training, it's just not going to work out. All right. My friend Peter Bronco, who I ran with this morning, has a great essay, you know, the marathon owes you nothing. And maybe it's not the title of it. I mean, it's just a famous line from it, but it's um, it's true. It's so true. And sometimes we forget that, especially if our training goes really well. We feel like we are destined for a certain time, um, or even if we're going to give ourselves a little bit of grace, or a time within a certain very specific range, and and that may happen. No question about it. And it's important to be optimistic and and, and think positive thoughts. But at the same time. There's a lot of mitigating factors and you never quite know. So if you go into a race with those kind of vibes, especially if you're not quite as prepared as you wanted to be, then that could really be a miserable experience. And I've had miserable marathon experiences and they're not fun and they linger. And for me, especially someone who continues to work in the running industry, both as a coach and as a media member, it's hard to get over it. It really is. You might hear my dog barking in the background. I think my, my family's home. Um, it's, tr it's tough. So I don't want to belabor the point, but it does. it is important to go into any race with a certain mindset, but more so the marathon because you just can't – unless you're like Mike Wardian or somebody who can just race incredible distances all the time, it's, you know – once you step up to race day and put in that hard effort, you're going to have to wait a long time for the next one. And that's important to understand. And I tell this to my athletes all the time. The longer the race, the more passion you have to have to run that race. Because if you're running a mile, you're running a 5K, hey, you don't have to recover for that, right? The next day, you're going to be out running. And that's fine. But you run a marathon, you run an ultra, like you better really, really love it. You better go into the right mindset and have the best kind of experience that you can have because it's going to take a long time to recover and to, to step up to your next starting line. And that's a big, big deal. So for me, 
I don't have to make a decision right now. I didn't pre-register for the race, so I don't have to have some sort of communication with the race organizers. But as of right now, I view it as basically two choices, okay? So I have the choice of I can go to race day, run my best with the understanding of it It might just be a kind of like hyper-glorified easy run for me, okay? So that could be an option, and it could be a really good option, all right? There's nothing wrong with that experience. Plenty of people do that, um, and that can be something that if I want to embrace that model, fine. Or I can postpone, right? So I can say, all right, well, not postpone. Obviously, I can't postpone the marathon uh, or that specific marathon, but maybe I'll say, all right, maybe I'm not going to run October 23rd. Maybe I'll run, I won't be running CIM, I'll be working CIM, I'll be going there this year, but uh, purely and as a media member, uh, maybe I'll run Houston, right, in January, or maybe a local marathon somewhere else where I have a little bit more time to build up if I really want to have the marathon experience of like, hey, how fast can I go in a marathon if I, if I really train properly for a long period of time, right? So I think that is the way most people approach marathons unless they are really, really experienced. They've run dozens of these many, many times. Um, Ashley Paulson is a great example of this. She's been on the show. She works, some of you may know her, um, with the pink hair. She works for iFit and she does a lot of the, the running stuff for them on their treadmills. And she just can just hop into a race and run a sub three hour marathon, right? She's just built up that kind of endurance and aerobic capacity and she's very durable. There's not many people like that. And frankly, Part of the reason I'm getting back into marathoning is I want to see what I can do. And so with that in mind, I am probably leaning towards the postpone the race and do something in late winter or early spring. And ultimately, that's not a bad thing. And if that comes to pass, I am not going to be negative about it. That's totally fine. And that's the the next element of this is that sometimes we have these grand visions of what's going to come. And we put a lot of stock in stock into the these these timelines that we create that are completely arbitrary, but that we really want to do certain things at certain times of our lives. And ultimately, we don't know when when it's going to be a good fit. Also, we don't know the opportunity cost of what we're passing up when we make those choices, right? So, I may not be ready to run the marathon that I want to run in you know this this fall or this early winter. However. That doesn't necessarily mean that I can't have a really good 5K, really good 10K, maybe even a really good half marathon during that time. And who's to say that those experiences will be somehow less than the experience of running that marathon that I may do in the future? And that's the other important thing here is that just because we have a certain race in mind or a certain race distance in mind or a certain time in mind in our goal structure, you know, it's important to write these timelines in pencil and not in pen, because we can't predict what's going to happen. We don't know when we're going to be healthy, and we don't know sometimes if the race is even going to happen. There are plenty of times where races have been canceled, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world either. So when you're going through this decision matrix, if you get COVID or if you get an injury that still allows you to race during that season, but maybe not prepare the way you wanted, don't be, I guess my suggestion would be not to be overly morbid or pessimistic about what you lost in that case, because ultimately you don't know how you're going to feel if you take up a different race of a different distance and have a great experience there, right? That feeling could end up eclipsing 
the marathon experience for you. Also, it does provide you the chance to maybe think outside the box, right? I have a runner. I've had a couple runners this past summer who decided to do Ragnar relays with their friends. This is a great example of this, right? A Ragnar relay is is a unique thing. We've had Jess Men on the podcast talking about the Speed Project, which is basically like a really elongated and hyper version of this. And those can be really fun, really enjoyable, definitely physically taxing, uh, and just an overall great experience. And something that if you talk to anyone who's done one, you need to recover from those things too, man, because it is a it is tiring physically, mentally, and emotionally. It certainly is. It's kind of like a guy's or lady's weekend away while also incorporating a whole lot of physical activity. <laughs> and it can be hard, especially if you're pushing yourself. I had someone who did a Ragnar, and afterwards we looked at the three segments that he did. I'm like, hey, man, like this is pretty close to marathon effort. Like you basically did 17 miles of marathon effort in, in, in this 24, 36 hour period. Like, no wonder you're tired to say nothing of the sleep and just the mental energy that goes in, emotional energy too, when you're just, anyone knows, you go to a party around friends and you have a great time. Like even if you didn't drink a drop of alcohol, you're tired after that. Why? Because just engaging in it, right? I experienced it with the podcast, right? I'll spend an hour interviewing somebody afterwards. I'm wiped. I mean, I didn't move the whole time, but the mental energy involved in it can be cumbersome and uh, it, it's a fun thing. So, you know, maybe trying something new with that, that new open period of time in your schedule can also really be worth it because you never know what's going to happen. How many times have we heard on this podcast where someone gets injured and then they start doing cross training and all of a sudden, hey, I really like the bike. I'm going to start a triathlon. I'm going to try a triathlon, right? Sarah Bishop's the great example of this. She hurt her hamstring over an extended period of time. She had like 12 races in one season and one fall season, hurts her hamstring, uh, spends a, the winter months on the bike, decides I'm going to give triathlon a try. Now she's a pro triathlete. Now, are you going to be a pro triathlete? I have no idea. But this is a really, really good example of you can't forecast what's going to happen, but you can roll with the punches. You can make the best decision you can. And after you make that decision, approach the, you know, the, the following, you know, endeavors with as much positivity and, and upbeat emotion as you can, because again, you don't know where it's going to lead for you personally, or who you're going to meet along the way. We have seen this so many times in our own lives from the negative sense, right? Um, I know there's jobs that I wanted, I know I interviewed for a couple college head coaching jobs for men's basketball when I was in my 20s. And for one of them specifically, I thought I was going to get it. I really felt good about it and I didn't end up getting it. And I look back on it now and I I'm so happy I didn't get that job. I didn't feel that way at the time, but I definitely felt good about it. And I know now, why? Because if I had gotten that job, I would have moved. And if I had moved, I would not have met my wife. And if I had not met my wife and so on and so forth, I definitely wouldn't have this job now. There are so many things that, you know, the path that is not taken, no matter the circumstances, could end up being a path that, in retrospect, that we didn't want to take to begin with especially if it's not going to connect us to dots in the future that we really want to connect to. So that is all. This is a solo episode because I want to talk some of these things out because oftentimes so many of us have this mental anguish around things or you know paths not taken, races not raced, or just you know uh, gaps in our training that while we wish weren't there, don't necessarily mean the end of all things. And I know for me during these three and a half week, during this three and a half week period has allowed me to spend a lot of time 
on a new venture, something that I'm not going to completely tease right now. But about a month from now, we're going to be talking a lot about it. And it has allowed me to spend a lot of time on that. And that is going to be something that is going to be uh, really, really exciting, not just in the podcast world, but in all of running media. And it's going to be something that is going to be uh, hopefully and I firmly believe that's something that's going to really uh, shake the landscape of running media for years to come. But I'll talk about that at a later date. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.